kind of target your prayers on things that God lays on your heart. That'll just help you um, as you grow in that area. And how many of you know where you're at right now in your prayer life is not where you should be? Amen. Amen. We could all go deeper, right? Same thing with our study, which we're going to be getting in the Bible study. Okay. Let's go ahead and, um, okay, in Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to pray over this part, and then we're going to start. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to open up the Bible. Lord, we pray that you would minister to us through the power of your Spirit. Father, we ask tonight for that anointing to flow. Lord, I ask for the anointing to preach and teach. Lord, that your word would have its way in our lives. And Father, we pray for the anointing to receive what you have for us tonight. And Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody says. Okay, so the, um, this section, we're going to be pretty brief on this, but I just want to uh, go through it. The purpose of doing this is so that uh, the, the things that were preached on Sunday uh, just get a little bit deeper in our heart. So we started with unstuck. This is called Stuck in a Rut, Part 2. Uh, this was the second uh, sermon on this series. Um, it started in Ephesians chapter number 4, verse 17. Uh, the Bible says this, I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk, not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. And I'm going to stop right there and just say, uh, the, the purpose in this is, is to show you that the Lord has one way that Gentiles walk and one way that believers are supposed to walk. You're not supposed to walk like an unbeliever. Amen. You ever heard that phrase that if it, if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it's got to be a duck? Well, you're not supposed to talk like the world and you're not supposed to walk like the world is what it's saying. You're supposed to be set apart and different, which when we get into tonight's Bible study, we're going to be touching on those same themes. But we've been called to walk different. But how many of you know that there's times in our lives that there's not too much difference between us and unsaved folks? So we've been called to not walk like them. There's times if you park in my parking spot, I might say, get out of my parking spot. But there's other times if I'm walking in the spirit, I'll say, bless them, Lord. And see what everybody, you see what I mean? We can, we can operate either in our flesh or we can operate in the spirit of God if we're born again. And if you're born again, you're always going to have that battle between the flesh and the spirit until the day you go where? Home. You're always going to have that battle between the flesh and the spirit till the day you go home if you're a believer. If you're an unbeliever, you're just getting whooped by your flesh day and night. No hope till you get born again. But once you're born again, you have a battle between your flesh and your spirit. And so we've been called to walk differently, but the problem is a lot of times when we think we're right, uh, pride will, will swell up. And when the, when the Lord begins to reveal to us that we're doing wrong, we have one of two reactions. How many of you know it's, it's not always fun to be told you're, you've done wrong? Right? Nobody likes to get called out, especially when the Lord chastises us. And when the Lord reveals to us that we're walking in a way opposite of what the Bible says, there's two reactions. You either break and surrender to God, or you do like Pharaoh and let your hard heart take over. 
Um, and that's the way it is with the word. The word will either will will either harden you or break you. Um, and we know that God wants to break us so that he can make us in his image and make us the way he wants to. Like the Bible says in Isaiah, where he is the potter and we are the clay. But if we're hard-hearted, if we're hard-hearted like Pharaoh was, he's just going to keep chastising us, right? Okay, so here's the deal. When, when this gets down into this word in verse 19 here called lasciviousness, uh, that word is pride manifested. That if 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 I could give you an example of what that word means is you know if uh, if, if you were somewhere and your shoe was untied and somebody was you know said hey your shoe's untied you have one of two reactions you either say thank you or you say I knew it was untied don't be correcting me I know what I'm doing right. Well, lasciviousness is when you have sin in your life and the word of God has convicted you, but you allow your pride to say, I know what I'm doing and I'm going to do it anyways. That it, it is pride manifested. So it's, it's no longer pride on the inside. It's when you show it and exhibit it on the outside. You're not going to correct me. You're not going to tell me what to do. And so the whole purpose of these series, this is a two-week series, is to show you that when you get into lasciviousness, which is pride being manifested on the outside, no longer hidden on the inside, that's a dangerous place. It's a place where you get stuck. It's a place where you get stuck. Um, what it says in front of that, it says they, they are being past feeling and given over to this pride manifested. So if somebody is past feeling, they have moved from hard-headed to hard-hearted, and they are, you're not going to be able to correct them. Now, look, I'm not saying you need to correct them about this, that, and that. I'm talking about the Word of God correcting folks, right? It's one thing for the Word of God to correct me. It's another thing for you to tell me, right? But if, if you can show me in the Word of God where I'm wrong, that is what I need. That's what I need. Because the Bible says that the Word of God is a lamp for my what? Feet and a, and a light for my what? Light for my path. So if I'm going to walk according to the Word of God, I need the Word of God to tell me this is right and this is wrong. But if I've got pride in there, I'm going to move over into this real easy. So this is a dangerous place for anybody to be, um, especially a believer. This, honestly, is how many people get stuck spiritually. Raise your hand if you've ever been stuck spiritually. Kind of like at a plateau. And so often what has happened is the Lord has convicted us in an area, but we're not ready to hear it yet. Come on. Do you think Pharaoh was ready to hear, let my people go? He wasn't ready. He wasn't ready to hear it. He wasn't going to listen to God. How many times did God tell him, let my people go? But he wasn't ready to hear it. And then it cost him, right, all the firstborn of Egypt. And then he finally said, fine, go. And he got all mad, more lasciviousness. And then he regretted it and went after him again. What I'm, the point I'm trying to make is a lot of times, not every time, but a lot of times in our lives when we're stuck spiritually, it could possibly be we're in a rut 
because God's convicted us of an area and we're just not ready to hear it yet. Amen? That's the whole purpose of this series. Now, the first week we talked about how to get unstuck. If you'll, if you'll follow this passage on, you'll see um, some other areas on how to get unstuck because that's not how you learn Jesus. You didn't learn Christ by being hard-headed and hard-hearted. If you received Jesus, you went down on your knees and said, I surrender all, right? Just as I am, I surrender all. You didn't receive Jesus by, by, by dictating to Jesus how it was going to be. If you truly received him, that's not how you learned Christ. Well, the second week, this week right here, I took you to Philippians chapter 3 uh, to show you another way to break through a rut. And I put on here, and you can go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 3 real quick. Um, and then we're going to move up, then we're going to move off of this. Because that, you know, I took you some other places, but. In Philippians chapter number 3. But what I have on here in front of that is called rut, rot, or revival. And I, I got that terminology. I didn't come up with it on my own. That came from A.W. Tozer, like I told you on Sunday. A.W. Tozer had a, a saying about rut, rot, or revival. He basically said, whenever you're in a rut, there's only two options. We all raised our hand and said, there's times that we get in that spiritual plateau. If you're in that place, that's a spiritual rut, and there's only two options. You're either going to rot or you're going to experience revival. That's it. If you stay in a rut long enough, you're going to find out what Sister Mahdi said. All, all a rut is is a grave with both ends kicked out. And we don't want to stay in a spiritual rut too long because we're going to end up rotting. And, and, and it, it actually can rob you uh, of being the man or the woman of God that God's called you to be simply because you're not ready to listen to God. When God says, let something go, he means it. Even though you think you want to do it, even though you think it's the right thing or it's not that hurtful, I'm not hurting nobody else. But if God says drop it, right, we should drop it. You know, there's times that you can talk to somebody and, and the Lord will prick your heart and say, you've gone a little bit too far. Don't you say another word. That'll test your flesh. That'll, that'll let you know whether your flesh or your spirit's in control. When you're talking to somebody and you're ha uh, um, a, a, a heated conversation, maybe, and the Lord tells you, hush, just stop. But you want to get that last word in. You know what usually happens when you get that last word in? Usually rip somebody apart. The Lord usually tells you where that safety guard is you do you go past that you probably might do some damage some lasting damage to their heart amen and then but some of us are just hard-headed we just got to get that last word in well that's just pride that's just lasciviousness so 
Anyways, if you're in that rut, there's two options. You're either going to experience revival or you're, or you're going to rot spiritually. How many of you would rather have revival than rot? Okay, how many of you that just raised your hand realize there's a cost associated with revival? The cost associated with revival, number one, is going to be prayer. Number two, God's going to bring you to do things that you didn't think you could do, like forgiving somebody or asking somebody forgiveness, right? How many of you, uh, and I'll get off this, but you could say with beyond a shadow of a doubt, there's been times that I know I have not done somebody wrong, but God told me to tell them I'm sorry. That'll test whether you're in the flesh or spirit. Because some of you don't want to be wrong. Right? But if you're a believer, is it really about who's right and who's wrong? It's more about whether we're being obedient to the Lord. That's the main thing. There's been a, there, you know, there's, there was a situation in my life when uh, we had a family drama situation. Family drama situations are great. They really will build your character in the Lord. But there was a time when I had a family drama situation, and we were done wrong. Like, I wouldn't do any, I wouldn't even do my worst enemy as wrong as we were done. Would not. Yet, the Lord showed me I needed to be the one to go over the bridge, to drop my weapons. Even though I didn't do anything, even though I was the one that was done wrong, and say, you know what? I'm sorry for all this, and mean it. Not just say it, mean it. So we're going to get in that in a little bit. There's a lot of difference between saying something and meaning it. <clears throat> now I can ask Benjamin to pick up his toys. He'll say, okay, Dad. He don't mean it. <laughs> Promise you he don't mean it. He's just saying, okay. And sometimes we're like that when the Lord convicts us of something like that, especially when it comes to forgiving folks. Amen? But it'll get us in a place of a rut. Okay, uh, let's look here in Philippians 3 and, move and, and, and get off of this so we can get in our, our study. Philippians 3, I took you to verses 12 through 14. Um, it says in verse 12, um, Not as though I already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brothers, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Everybody say one thing. Okay, if you can get this one thing, it's a three-step thing, but if you can get this one thing down, it'll keep you out of a spiritual rut. Number one, number one, forgetting those things which are behind. They took my parking spot. Forget about it. They didn't call me. Forget about it, right? I didn't do them wrong. They did me wrong. Forget those things which are behind. Now, in context, Paul's talking about the good that he had done in his life. But you'll also see his failures in there too. The good or the bad. If you want to succeed in the Lord, you're going to have to forget the things behind you, whether you did good or whether you did bad, whether you blew it or whether you, you know, succeeded. You, you cannot live off of yesterday, bad or good. It'll rob you of what God wants you to 
to do in you today. If you try to live off of yesterday, you're going to miss the grace and the mercy that God has for you today. Isn't that why God said that his mercies are new every what? Not every week. Everybody's trying to live off of yesterday's mercy. You should be receiving daily mercy from God. And so that, that, that means continually operating and moving forward. So you've got, in order to do that, you've got to let go of the things which are behind. And reach forth to the things which are before. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So the other two steps are reaching forward and pressing forward. And why do you, why do you suppose that that kind of sounds redundant, right? Reach forward and press forward. But how many of you know after you reach, the enemy's going to push back? I'm going to go the extra mile and go tell them I'm sorry. Even though I didn't, you know, my family drama situation I was telling you about? Even though I didn't do anything wrong, I'm going to go the extra mile, and I'm going to say I'm sorry, and I'm going to lay my weapons down. And you know what they did? You should be sorry. Oh, come on now. Right? So I, I forgot the past. I reached forward to try to make progress, and then they said, you should be sorry. Now I've got to press forward. <laughs> right? Now, now, now I've got to press through their yapping of the mouth. Right? Because I need to be obedient to God more than I need to respond to their mess. I do. I, it is about whether you're going to live on somebody else's standards or you're going to live to God's standards. The choice is yours. And God will not force you to live according to his standard and according to his way. He lets you. If you, wanna, if you want to live according to his standard, he will let you and show you and teach you and give you the grace to do it. But if you refuse, it's on you. I was about to say it's on you, buddy, but we have some females in here, so. It's on y'all. So here's the deal. When, when you begin to operate in this way and you begin to reach past your spiritual rut, can you expect pushback from the enemy? How many of you are strong enough mentally to press through that? You got to get ready for that, right? You, you, you mean to tell you how you do it? Your mind renewed. Your mind has got to be renewed. It's over in Ephesians 4. Your mind has to be renewed. You cannot do it with a natural mind. Because a natural mind, if somebody tells you you're not doing good, you're going to get mad. If somebody tells you you should have tried harder, you're going to get hurt. If somebody tells you, you know, you look a certain way, you shouldn't look, or you should, you should have done this, or you should have done that, it's going to burst your bubble. But if your mind is renewed, you know, who you know who your soul aim to please in life is? God Almighty. And, and, and you know what? You can think whatever you want about me. You can say I'm a low-down, dirty dog, or you can say I'm the next, you know, king of the tut. Don't bother me. Why? I'm not talking about it. Don't bother me. I'm just saying in us. If, you're, if your mind's renewed, it doesn't bother you. 
because you're, you're aiming to please God with a renewed mind. It's not about them. This relationship has to be correct first before you can experience right relationships this way. The, the flow from God comes this way, and once you get this right, then you're able to walk in the Spirit towards others. You can't walk in the Spirit towards others if you're in disobedience to God. You got no supply. In other words, your cup runneth not over. You're trying to operate with an empty tank, and it don't work. You've got to be obedient to God this way if you're ever going to make progress in your relationships this way. Your relationships this way could be your spouse, could be your child, could be your neighbor, could be your boss, could be that, you know, that sorry preacher that won't stop doing this or that. But the relationships this way are never going to get righted until you get this right. And then you'll begin operating in the right spirit. You with me? And so that's how you begin to get unstuck. Um, and, and then don't forget the very last note I have on there is 1 John 1, 9. Because that, the, the, you know, whenever I was, I was preaching this, I just, you know, uh, just needed to put that in there. Uh, but we find forgiveness and cleansing uh, whenever we confess our sins to God. That's 1 John 1, 9. And every single one of us in here has, have, and will need to confess our sins to God. Every single one of us in here has sins in the past, has sin now, and you probably might mess up one day in the future. And so we need to continually use that 1 John 1, 9 and confess our sins to God. Um, conf confessing your sins to God, again, in case you missed that on Sunday, it means you're agreeing with what God said. Confessing does not mean, okay, Lord, I did this, 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 which it can mean that. But a true confession, a biblical confession is, Lord, your word says liars have their part in the lake of fire. And I agree with your word. I am one of those, and I agree. Will you forgive me? Have mercy on me, Lord. I'm sorry. I'll change. I'm not going to be that way no more. That's agreeing with God's word, and a change takes place. Amen? That's, that is where you'll find everything turn around from a spiritual rut. Okay, let's go ahead and change gears. Does anybody have any questions on Sunday's sermon? I know I didn't go into 1 Chronicles uh, 28, or second, yeah, 1 Chronicles 28. I know I didn't go over into there on your notes, but um, I figured that'd be good enough. Okay, if nobody has any questions, let's move and shift gears to Galatians chapter 5. So um, we're going to open up our Bible study with, with a quick word of prayer. And, and listen, this Bible study is a together thing. Now, I understand that sometimes I might get a little bit preachy in it, but this is our Bible study. And so if I get to a point where you want to ask a question or maybe the Lord lays on your heart something that you want to interject into the conversation, go ahead and do it. Raise your hand. This is us studying the Bible together, okay? 
Father, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to study your word in Galatians. Father, we pray that you would have your way in this Bible study. Father, I ask for your anointing to preach and teach as you desire. Lord, we ask tonight for the anointing to receive what you have for us. And Lord, we ask in all things that Jesus Christ would be magnified. And Lord, we ask it in his holy name. And everybody says. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, background on Galatians. Paul is teaching all the churches in Galatia that they are to uh, not go back under the law. If there was ever, ever, ever a manifesto uh, to teach Christians that they do not have to go back under the Mosaic law, it's Galatians. Uh, what we characterize Galatians is as the declaration of freedom in Christ. Our declaration. So it's not our declaration of freedom. We don't have the freedom to go and right start riots and all kinds of stuff like we don't. It's not that we are we have the freedom to live however we want to live. We have the freedom to live in Christ. Okay? It's freedom to live in Christ. So this is our declaration of freedom in Christ. Major, major point there. Because people will abuse grace. But God said not to do that, right? He said not to use grace as a license to sin. Okay, here we go. Verse 17. Let's read verse 16 for context. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How many of you have ever had somebody say, I just can't stop doing this. My flesh is just too strong. Whenever they do this, I do that. I just can't stop, right? You should say, oh, I got a verse for you. I got a verse for you. Because over there in Galatians 5, you know, in, in, in verse uh, number 16, it says, if you'll walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So that's all you got. And then they'll go, well, how do you do that? Then you can start teaching them. Then you can actually become the Bible teacher. You can start your own Bible study group. Amen. For the flesh lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. Here's a key. Here's a key. You, you, you are walking or operating in one of two areas, not both. Even right now, if you're operating in your flesh, you're thinking about what color the walls are, what color the tie is, what time is it? I got chicken on the stove. They shouldn't be sitting there. That's my chair. You're either operating in the flesh or the spirit even now. If you're operating in the spirit, you're saying, okay, Lord, I'm ready to receive what you have for me, right? Get him to stop talking and start preaching, right? But if we're, we're either operating in the flesh or the spirit, because whenever you walk into a church or whenever you walk into a Bible study, whenever you walk anywhere, you're operating in one of two areas. How many of you, does God make you walk in the spirit? Has, has anybody here ever had the experience where God made you walk in the spirit? No? 
Has anybody ever had the experience that God made you walk in the flesh? Nobody? So does that mean that we choose? Does that mean that you can choose to walk victoriously in Christ? Is that, are y'all preaching to me right now? Are y'all seriously telling me that you can choose whether to walk defeated or victorious based on whether you choose to walk in the flesh or the spirit? Are you serious? You can walk in any place and have the peace of God on your life? You can? You can walk in any place and have grace with one another no matter how they treat you? Seriously? So you're telling me that you can walk in victory simply by walking in the Spirit. Is that what you're saying? Yeah? Okay, y'all need to teach this then. How do you do that? Well, okay, look, here's what, here's what I want you to see on this. The flesh and the spirit, they're in a war with one another. They lust against one another. They're in a battle. That battle, as we said earlier, you're going to have until the day that you depart your body. You know there will be a day that your spirit departs your body. What a glorious day that will be for the believer, right? We'll be one moment here on this fallen, stinky, harsh place, and then the next moment we'll be in glory. But until that day, you're going to have the battle within you. Until that day, you're going to have the battle within you. You will always have it. Every saint of God, every preacher, every missionary, everybody, you all wake up in a house of flesh. And so you've got to learn to put the flesh down and let the spirit rise. You've got to learn how to operate in the, in the spirit whenever you're awake. Amen? Okay, so watch this. It, um, the flesh lust against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. But look at this. If you're led of the spirit, you're not under the law. If you'll simply yield, remember the, the verse previous said, if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So if you'll simply choose to walk in the spirit, your flesh loses. Your flesh loses. He'll fight back next time. But if you'll choose to walk in the Spirit, the Spirit will be victorious. In other words, no matter what the spiritual battle is in front of you, it's too much for me. You know, there was a time in my life I never thought that I would be able to quit drinking alcohol. It's too much for me, right? I remember telling somebody, it's too much. I can't do it. But if you yield to the spirit, guess what? Flesh gets broken. Flesh gets broken. If you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And that is as simple as New Testament Christianity, Christianity can get. It's not rocket science. You don't need to write a book. You don't need to make DVDs about it. You just need to start walking in the spirit. If you do that, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Problem is, we won't do it. The problem is we won't do it. So there, there is, you know, in, in, in all of our lives, there's always that dilemma. And, and, and let me bridge on that by saying this. Will you raise your hand if you know the difference between knowing the right thing and doing the right thing? 
Would you raise your hand if you know the difference? Okay. Huge difference between knowing the right thing to do and actually doing it. You ever been in a situation where, some, where you confronted somebody? Why didn't you do this? And they said, well, I knew I was supposed to. I just didn't. You ever been in that situation? Maybe you've done it before, right? I knew I should have spoke up. I knew I should have said something. I knew I should have done this. I knew I should have, but I didn't do it. Right? All right. Do you get bonus points for knowing the right thing but not doing it? You know what? You get negative points. You'll actually face a harsher judgment. So if you know the right thing to do and you're disobedient to it, you actually get negative points. See, our flesh thinks backwards. Our flesh thinks, well, if, as long as I know the right thing, I got bonus points with God. You know how many people, I, um, I used to minister on my job, uh, another job I had, I, I had the opportunity to have Bible studies um, on all of our breaks. And man, there was one guy that, that was at our job. This guy knew the Bible backwards, forwards. He could quote I mean, I, I mean, he just, he knew the word of God, but he disobeyed it completely. Okay? This is a dangerous thing. It's a very dangerous thing because you're able to lead people in your own error. Right? And so he actually got into a place where he, his mind had been darkened, kind of like we read in Ephesians with the lascivious person. He actually got into, into that place. He knew the right thing. He knew it. He knew it. But you don't get bonus points for that. Actually, you're going to get a harsher judgment. God will blind you for that. Not, not physically. I'm talking spiritually. Cause you to, to go into a place you don't want to be in. A desert, if you will. Many of you remember the nation of Israel disobedient whenever they got delivered out of Egypt they were in the they were in the desert place before they were allowed to go in the promised land they didn't get to go in all but two of them because they were disobedient because they were disobedient so God looks at this thing pretty harshly um, and 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 I've said this before but I'll say it here tonight if if I could give you a teach you theology and doctrine and I gave you a test on theology and doctrine and you scored a 100 it still doesn't mean you're saved you you actually could have a brilliant mind and you could memorize this book you could if you started at Genesis 1 and you had a brilliant mind you could actually memorize the book backwards forwards sideways Greek, Hebrew, Latin, all of it. But guess what? That doesn't mean that you're obedient to it. There's a big difference between memorizing this book and being a walking library and being an, just an obedient person. You know why David was called a man after God's heart? You know why? Because he obeyed God. Even when he disobeyed and he messed up, you know what he did? He fessed up. Not about being perfect. It's about when I mess up, I go and make it right with God. Do whatever I've got to do to get right with God. 
at all costs, I've got to get right with God. And that's why he was a man after God's own heart. It cost him relationships. It cost him his kingship for a while. It cost him all kinds of stuff. But he always did whatever he had to do to make things right with him and God. It's not that he was always perfect. See, we think some, if somebody walks and talks perfectly, then they're a person after God's own heart. Well, they could be. But a person after God's own heart is not about being perfect. It's about if you mess up, fessing up, getting right with God, and going the opposite direction than the one you were in. That's how you become a, a person after God's own heart. Amen? So there's a big difference between knowing the right thing to do and actually doing the right thing. Uh, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15 for a second. John chapter 15. So we're, just for reference, we're talking about being led of the Spirit, okay? Being led of the Spirit. If, you're, if you are led of the Spirit, guess what? You're going to be led of the Lord. If you're led of the Spirit and if you're led of the Lord, guess what? You're going to be obedient to the Word. Okay? You see how that goes? If you're led of the Spirit, you're led of the Lord. If you're led of the Lord, you're going to be obedient or follow what the Word of God says. The moment somebody says, the Lord told me to go rob a bank, I know they're liars and false prophets. Right? The Lord led me to take so-and-so's wife from him. Mm, no, he didn't. That was your flesh. Right? Okay. So if, if that, that verse where we were at, it said, if, if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. So what we're looking at tonight is actually what does it mean to be led of the Spirit? And what I want you to know is it means that you are obedient to God. You're obedient to God. Okay? It doesn't mean that you're obedient to me because I might have some weird quirks about stuff. Right? It means you're obedient to God, though. That's what it means. Um. Hold up, before we go, did I tell you John 15? Okay, go one more chapter to 16. Let me just show you this one real quick, and then we'll get into it. Look in, look, look in verse number 13. Sometimes my mind is going faster than my mouth. Look at verse number th uh, 13. How be it when he, the spirit of who? The spirit of who? Come on, help me out. Howbeit when he, the spirit of who? Truth. Truth is come, he will guide you into what? So the spirit, if you are spirit led, you will be led into all truth. If you are led of the spirit, you're going to be led into all truth. Now, take one more chapter over, chapter 17. Look at verse 17. If you're led of the Spirit, you're going to be led into all, what was it again? 
If you're led of the Spirit, you're going to be led into all truth. Now look at verse 17, John 17, 17. Jesus, in red letters, said, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy... Come on, preach it, Sister Marty. Thy word is truth. So if you're led of the Spirit, you're going to be led into all truth. And Jesus said that the word is truth. So if somebody is led of the Spirit, they're going to be led about by the Word of God. Wherever you say go, I'll go. Whatever you say do, I'll do. Whatever you tell me to say, I'll say. When you tell me not to say, I'll be quiet, Lord. The Word of God will lead you, okay? This is very important because, number one, it'll help you. Uh, <laughs> Jeremiah, he said that our hearts are deceitfully wicked. You ever talk to somebody and they say, I just feel in my heart it's the right thing to do. What you feel in your heart is the right thing to do? Go rob a bank. Okay, listen, listen. Your heart is deceitfully wicked, according to Jeremiah 23. So if our hearts are deceitfully wicked, you know what your heart's going to do? Your heart is going to lie to you. Your heart is going to lie to you. But who has the truth? Thy word is truth. You want to know the truth? Know the word of God. You want to get lied to? Listen to your heart. Say that one more time. Come on now. You want to know the truth, you got to know the word. But do you remember what I told you earlier? There's a difference between knowing the word and what? Now you know what it's like to walk in it. Walking in the spirit is being obedient to God's word. It means that you're actually obeying when God says not to lie, not just knowing not to lie, but actually obeying God. When God says to love your enemies, it's not just knowing you should love your enemies, but actually loving them. When God said to forgive, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive. Preach it, Brother Norman. Forgive us our trespasses, Lord, as we forgive those that trespass against us. It's not just knowing it, but doing it. Knowing it and not doing it is a negative. Knowing it and doing it, you're walking in the Spirit. Okay, you following the progression? We're told to be led of the Spirit, and we're not under the law. Being led of the Spirit means you're going to be led into all truth, and thy word is truth. You follow along? Okay, so if somebody comes up to you and tells you, the Spirit told me to tell you, you need to go rob a bank, you need to tell them to go jump in a river. Not really, but you know what I mean. Tell them to take a hike, right? Say, well, the Lord told me to tell you to go take a hike. Where to? He just said go. He said, hit the road and don't come back, right? So, but also what I wanted to do is kind of internalize that a minute because our hearts are deceitfully wicked. 
And so what we need to do is not only observe this behavior in others, because how many of you know it's easy to observe the behavior in others? It's really easy to tell when somebody else isn't walking in the Spirit. About the, mm, I can tell when, when brother so-and-so hadn't been praying, I can tell. Sister so-and-so ain't right because she's just mean. She, I know she hadn't been praying. She hadn't been obedient to the word. She's not right right now. What about me? What about me? Is it not more important about me? Right? What about me? Because you know what? I can't change them. They might just be a, you know, a cranky fuddy-duddy. They, they just might be that way. Maybe they're a bump on the log. I don't know. I can't change them. I'm responsible for my soul. And I'm responsible for not offending their soul. Y'all do know that, right? We can't change them. We can pray for them. But you do know... That, if it, that you are responsible if you offend them. Okay. Because we preached that a few times. I just want to make sure. Y'all are like, yeah, don't go back to that passage. Okay, go, go back over to John 14, where, 15, where we were going to go. So there's a difference between knowing and doing. Knowing and doing. Knowing and doing. Verse number 9. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you know my commandments. What does y'all's, what is y'all's uh, interlinear Greek original text say there? Oh, it says keep? I thought it said no. So there's a difference between knowing and doing. So the Lord right here is telling you if you keep, that, that means that you actually are doing something, right? If you keep, that means you're being obedient. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. So if somebody tells me, Brother Kenny, I just don't have any joy right now. I just, I don't have any joy. I, I don't know what to do. I'm, you know what my mind goes to? Where are you disobedient to God at? Because if you're walking in the Spirit and you're keeping Jesus' words, you should have full joy. Your joy tank should be full. So do you know what my first, yeah, most of y'all know this, but do you know what my first question is when somebody comes to me and says, I'm dry and I have no joy, Brother Kenny. Brother Kenny says, when was the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? Because I kind of think that there was something about a great suggestion. Oh, wait, no, I mean a great commission. There was something about a great commission about going out into all the world, right? And making disciples, teaching them to observe all things, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, right? Or is that just me? 
Was that my version of the Bible or y'all got that version too? Y'all got that version? Okay, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. We have a responsibility ourselves, don't we? To not only know what Jesus said, but to honor what he said and be obedient to it, right? Now, here's where I want you to get involved a little bit. I want you to give me some examples of things that, are, that you know you're supposed to do, but are hard to do. Somebody want to go first? Jump off. With, love thy neighbor. That's a good one. Because what if your neighbor is just rotten? Huh? You got to love them anyways, right? It's, it's like we like to love from afar. Right? We like to love from afar. I'll send you a postcard at Christmas time. But it's a little bit different when they're rotten neighbors, but you take their mail to them or. Maybe you overlook the mess they made or something like that, right? Yeah, love thy neighbors. That's a great one. Turn the other cheek, yeah. Because at that point, now, we, now the other part, you know, abstaining from catfish and pork and shrimp, we don't want to listen to that, but we do want to revert to the Old Testament, eye for an eye, buddy. Yeah, you come at me, you come at me with that tone, you're going to get this tone and more back. Eye for an eye. That's right. But in the New Testament, we're called to not go eye for an eye. We're called to turn the other cheek. If your enemy compels you to go one mile, you're supposed to what? There's a good sermon in there too, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Pray without ceasing. Did the Lord tell us to pray without ceasing? Amen. Did he? Yeah. And how many of us? Yeah, that's kind of hard. I mean, it's hard to pray without ceasing when will of fortune's on. <laughs> pray without ceasing except for 6 to 6.30 while will of fortune's on. I can do that. From 6 to 6.30 is just hard because I'm trying to guess that puzzle, you know. Yeah, that's right. Praying without ceasing. You know why? Because all the worldly stuff's going on. And our mind gets disengaged from the spirit. That's a very good one. Anybody else? Something that's hard? Something that Jesus told us to do that it's just hard to do? Forgive? Like in the Lord's Prayer? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass. Yeah. How many of you, how many of you, it's, it's kind of difficult to forgive people? Just me? I'm the only one raising my hand. Anybody? A few of us? A few of us? You know, it's easy to say, I'll forgive them. And look, if somebody does you wrong on something small, it's even easy then. But what about when somebody hurts you deeply? You know what? Can I just tell you this? You're not strong enough to carry that scar. You've got to release that burden to Jesus. If somebody hurts you deeply, the worst thing you can do is hold on to it because it'll cause you to grow bitter towards God. It'll eat like a cancer. That's right. But it's like, look, 
now I, I had a neighbor one time, my father-in-law knows, I had a neighbor one time that if you even parked close to his grass, he was going to get mad. He would get angry. You even park like extra shade or something. But on my grass, it doesn't bother me. In fact, I had somebody park, you know, half their car was on my grass one time. They came and apologized to me. You don't have to apologize to me. Just, you know, don't do it again. It didn't hurt me that bad. But, you know, there's other things that people have done to me that really got to me. So it's easy to forgive people on those things that don't really, right? I can forgive those people that trespass against me as long as it's on that stuff I don't really care about. But once you tell me I'm ugly, you know, <laughs> no, uh, you know what I mean? But once somebody, once somebody gets in there into that place that really hurts, that's when you're tested. That's when you're tested. That's right. That's a good, a good deal. Anybody else? Or you want to make comments? So we're going to wind down in just a minute. Yes. Living in a way in front of others that could cause them to stumble. That's very good. Not, not necessarily offending them, but maybe misleading them. Okay. That's a very good one. Uh, you got an uh, example on it of what somebody could do or maybe that you've seen? Uh, causing your brother to stumble. Yeah, that, that actually, um, you know, the Lord taught that about meat. Some people think they have to abstain from a certain meat, and some people think they can have whatever. And if you, if you know you're going to cause your brother to stumble, then don't do it, right? It's like if you're around a bunch of people that, you know, that could stumble if they see you eating shrimp, even though you know legally you can do it in the New Testament, you shouldn't do it, right? Because you should be caring about their soul. You want to know who your brother is? Yeah, that's right. You need to know who your brother is. Give me an example on that. Yeah. There you go. Amen. Amen. Because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. It's our, uh, it's our belief on the Lord Jesus Christ that makes us brothers and sisters, right? And if somebody is not a believer on Christ, then until they do, they're not our brother or sister. They're just, but they're still our neighbor, the sister Jalisa said. They're our neighbor, but not our brother. So that, that's a good point. It's a very good point. So the difference between knowing and doing is very costly. But the difference between knowing and doing is very costly because if you only know the right thing to do, but you refuse to do it, you will walk in the flesh. I hope you see that. Go back to Galatians 5. Let me touch on that, and I'll, I'll close. Galatians chapter number 5. You know... A lot of people know the right thing to do, but very few people actually walk it out. Verse 
This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Now stop right there. Full point stop. The only way you're not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh is to walk in the Spirit. Correct? Okay, now let's see if we made some ground tonight. If you walk in the Spirit, and the Spirit is the Spirit of truth who will lead you into all truth. And Jesus said, what? Thou word is truth. So if we're going to be walking in the Spirit, we're going to be walking in obedience to the Word of God. Not disobedience. Obedience. Not omniscient, right? Not ignorance to it. Obedience to it. So if I'm, if I'm called to walk in the Spirit, I need to know what the truth is so that I can walk in it. I need to know. Like you, you shared a verse about, you know, loving your neighbor, not causing your brother to stumble, forgiving. All these, all these things that y'all said, these are things that I need to know. That's why we have the Bible, right? That's why we're supposed to walk in it. Okay, this I say, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The flesh lusts against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit... You are not under the law. Uh, one point, I was hoping Brother Jerry would be here tonight, but he always told this story about, uh, you know, two dogs. I think a preacher said it one time, but he said a guy had two dogs and they would always fight, you know. And he said, well, uh, which one wins? And he said, the one that I feed. Right? Well, your flesh and your spirit's the same way. You feed your flesh, your flesh is going to start whooping you. You're going to get no joy, angry, bitter, right? All this kind of stuff is going to start rising up. But whenever you begin to walk in the spirit and you start, and you start feeding your spirit on the, the word of God and allowing the word of God to reign over you, wash you, like it says in Ephesians, you let the Word of God come over you and cleanse you and renew you and mold you into the, into the man or woman God made you to be, then you'll begin to win the battle, flesh and spirit. Amen? Uh, if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. But if a person is not willing to be led of the Spirit, which you can go from Spirit to truth to Word, if a person be led of the Spirit, if they're not willing to be led of the Spirit, they're not, what? They're in a bad spot. They're in a bad spot. They've opened themselves up to harsh judgment is what they did. So, um, let's see, last one. How many of you how many of you can honestly say there's a time in your life when God called you to do something that you know was the right thing to do, but you disobeyed? Did you ask God's forgiveness? Did God forgive you? I want you to know tonight, before we close, 
because this this kind of a, a nitty-gritty kind of topic. I want you to know tonight before we close that if you'll confess your sins to God, God said he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That was that first John 1, 9. And if you need to start over, this is a great time to start over. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. And some of us, you know, you might have gone round and round the mountain for the 50th time. Many of you battle the same things. All right, don't be shy. We all brothers in here tonight, as, as our brother said. We all brothers. Don't be shy. We battle the same thing sometimes. And, and, and in reality, it's a season. We, we go from season to season. One, there's a season for everything in our lives. And the, the battle of your season. This is why it's so important to be led of the Spirit, to obey the Word of God. That's the only way you're going to be able to move past that mountain. It's to listen to God, heed God, and be obedient to God. Last point in closing. This is why it's so important to be a Berean, as we read in Acts. Y'all remember that, that service? This is why it's so important to be a Berean, to study the Word of God, to study the Word of God, to diligently seek out what God's Word says. Because, you know, don't trust your heart. Don't trust your heart. Because, you know, some things, some things you think are in the Bible probably aren't. Because you probably got a lot of religiosity in there. That's why you need the Bible. You actually need the Word of God, and you need to read it and know it so that you can't be deceived, right? I know a lot of people, they're like, where's that verse that says cleanliness is next to godliness? I'm like, yeah, I don't know where that one is. <laughs> Not that being clean is bad, but... Sometimes people project things in the Bible that aren't there. So that's why you need to know the word. That way you can't be deceived, misled. All right, we're going to uh, stop right there and, and see if uh, we'll, we'll do our prayer request right now, and, and then we'll close. But uh, before we do our prayer request, does anybody want to add to the uh, conversation tonight? Questions or comments? Amen. Yeah, that's exactly right. Our feelings will take us places we don't want to go. Right? Some of us wear our feelings on our sleeves. Right? Some of us are a little bit tougher. But we all have feelings. You might have a tough outer shell, but everybody's got feelings. Everybody wants to feel loved. Everybody wants to feel welcomed. You may, you know, some people, if you look at them wrong, they fall apart. <laughs> But some people will hold on to it. Maybe they won't fall apart in front of you, but later on they'll be thinking on it, stewing on it, 
remembering it, reminiscing about it, and then they'll never talk to you again the rest of your life. So, yeah, that's a good point. Feelings will take us places we don't want to go. That's exactly right. Anybody else? Question or comment? I do. I do. All right. Well, if you don't have anything else to add or subtract, we're going to go ahead and move to our prayer request. Um, we have uh, three prayer requests on here. Does anybody else want to get mentioned on this before we close? Okay. Everyone's kids. All right. Anybody else? 